Next up, Campaign Beat, a weekly political analysis program produced by Montana Public Radio. Campaign Beat is hosted by Sally Mock and features Lee Newspaper State News Bureau Chief Holly Michaels and Rob Saldine of the University of Montana's Mansfield Center and Political Science Department. Here's Sally. Rob, this week the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee named Democrat Monica Trinnell to its Red to Blue campaign in her race to unseat Republican Ryan Zinke in the Western Congressional District. And this means the National Party thinks she has a good chance to win, and it also means she'll be getting a lot more national support and money. Yeah, exactly, Sally. I mean, there are two big things here. And the first is that being on that D-trip list it loops Trinnell into a a whole new fundraising network. And it's a fundraising network that will come to her largely for free. That is, her campaign isn't going to have to invest a lot of resources into developing that network. It's fallen into her lap. So probably many of our listeners have had the experience of receiving fundraising appeals for candidates from across the country who they've perhaps never heard of. Well, That kind of thing does not happen by accident. Choices are made by outfits like the D-Trip about which races they're going to target for fundraising. And the D-Trip is one of the key outfits working in this space on the Democratic side. So so that should help Trinnell very directly in terms of money. The other thing here is that it's something of a signaling device. Again, these decisions, they aren't made randomly. This doesn't happen by accident. The folks at the D-Trip are tasked with one thing, and that is winning campaigns. That's their whole point for being. So this is a reflection of a shrewd calculation that they think Trinnell has a chance to flip a seat. They are not in the business of giving out money equally to every candidate out there or being nice to the plucky underdog fighting a good, if futile, fight. And that's no small thing for Trinnell. Obviously, she's going to be endorsed by the National Democratic Party, but to have that mark that, okay, this is one of the ones that we can focus on in our effort to regain the House. That's a big thing um, because part of her problem two years ago is that she was pressed on resources at the end. She underperformed what she needed to in several key counties, Gallatin probably most of all, but also Missoula and, and elsewhere. As we've discussed previously, Sally, I think the, the presidential year and the tester campaign will take care of a lot of that for Trinnell. But getting on that D-trip radar screen will only reinforce that. So uh, this is definitely a, a nice plus for Trinnell. Meanwhile, we still haven't heard much of a campaign peep from Ryan Zinke and no reaction to this, for example. Right. Well, Zinke probably doesn't feel like he needs to chime in every time his opponent has some good news. Um, I suppose he could use this to say this is more evidence that Trinnell is just another swamp creature off the Democrats' D.C. assembly line. He'll be a foot soldier for Hakeem Jeffries or, or something like that. But that would also just serve to draw attention to Trinnell's good news. So I'm not surprised he's sitting this one out. You look at the Senate campaign on the Republican side, Rosendale, as we've discussed, you know, he's also not been in any big rush to jump in to uh, the primary campaign for the Senate seat. And both of these guys are in a similar position just in terms of of their key strength being that they've won multiple times already, they have near universal name ID. Well, if that's your situation, there's not a lot of upside, Sally, to jumping into campaign mode early. And in fact, quite possibly the opposite. It just gives your opponent, be it a primary opponent in Rosendale's case or a general election opponent in Zinke's case, 
a longer period of time to draw contrasts and attack you and so on. Speaking of Rosendale, Holly, we still haven't heard if he's going to enter the Republican Senate primary, despite his many hints that he is. But there is this new TV ad attacking him. Border Protection says it is overwhelmed as a record number of migrants cross the southern border. Matt Rosendale talks about securing the border. We have to secure our border. But when he had the chance to act, Rosendale sabotaged the whole thing, abandoned a deal from top conservatives to secure the border, stopping Trump's wall, rejecting up to 22,000 border agents. Come on, tell Matt Rosendale, stand with conservatives, secure the border now. Holly, this ad is sponsored by a PAC called generically Montana Policy Action, which is not, it turns out, a Democratic PAC. It's not, no, Sally. This is a, a nonprofit. It's a 501c4, which is also known as a dark money group. And it doesn't have to file reports with the Federal Election Commission. Instead, they only file with the IRS. So it is a little harder to figure out who's backing this group. The ad, if viewers were to see it, doesn't have an address or a ton of information about who this is. But looking through records and filings with television stations in Montana that are required when these ad buys are made, it's clear that the group is run by Dan Duffy, who at one point was the political director for Governor Greg Gianforte when he was running for office. Duffy said in an email to our bureau that he declined to comment about these ad buys, but he said his group's mission is to inform people of Montana about policy discussions and that holding leaders accountable can help bring about change. The message in this ad, we hear it saying Rosendale sabotaged a border deal and isn't strong enough on the southern border. And we talked about this on the show, you and Robert just talking about prominent Republicans in Montana. We've got Senator Steve Daines and Greg Gianforte are strongly backing Tim Sheehy as the Republican to run against Democratic incumbent Senator John Tester this fall. And they're trying to keep Rosendale from joining the race through a lot of different efforts, including ads like this. You know, the border is something that Rosendale himself is making a major issue of. Congress has been fighting over a border deal for a very long time. We're seeing the most recent iteration of that now, the text of which isn't out yet. Looks like it might have for a minute seen some bipartisan agreement, but now its fate is up in the air after former President Trump urged Republicans to oppose it. You know, Rosendale has said that he doesn't back it. He's calling for the passage of H.R. 2, which would reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy, generally make seeking asylum much more difficult and add 900 miles of a border wall, among other things. And like we said, you know, although Rosendale isn't officially campaigning yet in Congress, he's doing a lot of things like speaking at press conference, calling for Republicans to shut down the government if the southern border isn't shut down, pass HR2 or other legislation Rosendale is proposing. So I think we're going to see you know, a lot more efforts like this in anticipation of him jumping in the race soon. Well, Rob, this growing rift in the Montana Republican Party, it has to be something Democrats are watching with nothing but glee. (laughs) Absolutely, Sally. People are lining up and taking sides, and it's getting pretty chippy. You know, one thing that caught my eye this week is there was this uh, kerfuffle over a speaker at an upcoming GOP gathering here in Montana. And the speaker had said some mean things, apparently, about Rosendale, like he was insufficiently loyal to Trump. And Rosendale's allies pitched a fit about this and got the guy disinvited. The terms of this dispute basically (laughs) all comes down to who is the most MAGA and who is the most strident ally of Trump. 
the funny thing is, is that Rosendale is MAGA to the core. He was MAGA before there was MAGA. And, <laughs> and unlike some of these folks who you really wonder if they actually believe all this stuff or are they just going along out of a pragmatic calculation or simple cowardice, well, one gets the impression with Rosendale that he is a true believer. You, you give the guy truth serum and he'd say exactly the same things. Sheehy, by contrast, has at least been called out by his critics for being unmega in various ways prior to running for the Senate. He's been accused of being a DEI enthusiast for wanting to take strong action on climate change, for being critical of Trump, supporting Tim Scott's presidential campaign instead of Trump's, and so on. Now, Rosendale and Trump used to be tied at the hip. So remember that back in 2018, when Rosendale was running against Tester, Trump came here to Montana four times to campaign for the guy. But he certainly hasn't run out to support Rosendale this time. And the moment when that relationship really seemed to go sideways was about a year ago when Trump called Rosendale during the saga over electing Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker of the House. And Rosendale, of course, was a holdout on that. And Trump wanted to twist his arm, presumably. But Rosendale refused to take the call. And, uh, and here we are. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a fascinating one to watch over the coming months. Speaking of Republican rifts, Holly, former Republican Governor Mark Roscoe was on national television television quite a bit this week to talk about why he and two other former Republican governors have filed a brief in the case before the U.S. Supreme Court that would declare Donald Trump not eligible to run for president again because of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. And here's what Governor Roscoe told Joy Reid of MSNBC. You cannot have taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States and thereafter involve, engage, countenance, incite, or in any other way be involved with an insurrection against um, the United States of America and against the Constitution. And Holly, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in this case this coming week. Yeah, they will. So, you know, like we heard this case, it rests on the 14th Amendment, which says you can't hold federal office if you've engaged in an insurrection or rebellion. And Roscoe and the couple other Republican former governors that filed this brief with him are arguing that Trump, you know, like they did when they took office, swore an oath to uphold, protect and defend the Constitution and that Trump's actions surrounding January 6, 2021 violated that oath. In the brief, these former governors argue that if Trump is allowed to run again, it makes these oaths they all took meaningless. Roscoe has been critical of Trump and the Republican Party under Trump's leadership for several years now. And in 2022, he endorsed Monica Trinnell, the Democrat in the U.S. House race. Going back four years ago, he supported Joe Biden over Trump for the presidency. That's all actually led to the state party saying Roscoe, who's also a former head of the Republican National Committee, the state party said that Roscoe is no longer a party member. You know, on the flip side of this, we've also seen you know, Montana's Republican Attorney General and the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which is led by Montana Senator Steve Daines, file briefs on the opposite side of this, supporting Trump on the ballot, saying that if the courts kept a candidate they feel is qualified off the ballot, it defeats the democratic process. So I think there's a lot of eyes on what the U.S. Supreme Court does here, and this is just a good illustration of some of the divisions within the state party right now. Rob, the Supreme Court is actually not expected to bar Trump from running, but regardless, does the fact that former Governor Roscoe, and full disclosure here, Governor Roscoe is chair of the board of the Mansfield Center where you work, Rob, 
Does his and the two other Republican governors' action in this case, do you think, have any impact on voters? I do absolutely think the broader activities of Roscoe and these governors, as well as figures like Liz Cheney and Chris Christie and and so on, are actually quite important. Obviously, they aren't going to convince a majority of Republicans and conservatives to abandon Trump, but they don't have to do that. It's still early, of course, and, and things could always change, but right now, it looks like we're in for another close election, one that might uh, only be decided by tens of thousands of votes here or there. And what Roscoe and the others are doing is establishing a permission structure for other Republicans and other conservatives to abandon Trump, be it by voting for Biden or by voting for a third party candidate or simply skipping the presidential altogether. What they're doing is communicating to other Republicans that you aren't the crazy ones. It's okay to be horrified by Trump and January 6th and the lies and the cruelty, the indictments, the sexual assault and so on. You can still be a good principled conservative and say enough is enough. That is a core part of their message. The key, Sally, is that without people like Roscoe and Cheney out there saying that kind of thing, it's a lot harder to get over that hurdle. If the only people you know who are Republicans, they're all lining up behind their guy, that kind of makes it easier to go along with the crowd. So in a close election, things like this absolutely can matter. We're going to be following everything that happens in the next few months as best we can. Rob and Holly, thank you, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Sally. Thanks, Sally. You've been listening to Campaign Beat, a weekly political analysis program produced by Montana Public Radio. Campaign Beat features Rob Saldine of the University of Montana's Mansfield Center and Political Science Department, Lee Newspaper State News Bureau Chief Holly Michaels, and hosted by Sally Mock. Join us next week for more analysis of Montana politics.